Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are picking up our series going through the top 100 dynasty rankings. Going through ranks 25 to 50. We're also breaking them down into tiers. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at BallBoysFantasy. Like we said at the top of the show, guys, we're going across the, uh, picking up the uh, top 100 Dynasty Rankings mini-series that uh, I've started this off-season. So if you guys haven't already, check out part one of the series where we did our top 25, including where I would be drafting Victor Wemanyama uh, in a startup Dynasty draft to just sort of go over the, um, I guess, the, the ground rules of this uh, ranking series. Rankings in general are, I guess, subjective in a way. I try to be as objective as possible, but especially in a dynasty format, there's so many different factors that we're taking into account. We're taking into account uh, team builds, punting. We're taking into account if you're competing now or building for the future age of a player, um, you know, the fit within your team, what categories you're looking for, etc., etc. So, you will disagree with this list. This is not meant to be, you know, draft off these guys, um, you know, as soon as you get to the next guy, draft the highest guy. But it is a, I guess, a way for me to put my thoughts out there and collectively arrange them into, um, I guess, groupings. So again, I did this similarly last uh, podcast, last video where we went through the top 25, but I've gone even a step further and put them up on the video here on YouTube as well into the tiers that these players are in. And I think that's probably more important than the number associated next to the player. So we're going to go through them all in tiers as well. So those players who are in the same tier, you can kind of view them similarly. And again, using this rankings list to kind kind of um, assign a a trade value, uh, the way you should be approaching these players in your dynasty leagues in terms of if you're trading one of them out, looking for a similar type of value player coming back, or if you're doing a startup dynasty draft, this is the kind of a roundabout spot where I would be looking to draft these players into my team. Again, now that we're out of the top 25, we're starting to look into there'll be big discrepancies, discrepancies between the older players, the younger players as well. So there again, different valuations for different um, team builds, but generally how I would be viewing each of these players. So with that long-winded explanation out of the way, let's get stuck into the rankings. Remember, if you haven't checked out the top 25, go and look at that one when you get a chance. But let's go into the first uh, player here, and it is a singular player. 
um, tier six following on the uh, last video at number 26, kind of the end of a tier that I had in the first 25. I have Steph Curry here ranked there. So he was coming off the back uh, of a couple of other players in a similar kind of boat with um, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, and Steph Curry. It's kind of about this point in the draft where you kind of do have to make a decision. Am I looking to compete now, win the first or second championship in my league, or am I maybe insulating myself with the future a little bit more, looking for some of those younger players? So Steph Curry, he is a little bit older. Um, I think from memory off the top of my head, 35 or turning 35 soon. He is still obviously one of the best players in the NBA, and he is a guy that I think will age very well in the NBA. Coming off the back of another really good season, top 10 in nine category rankings from last season. Um, But Steph Curry is um, 35 years old. So maybe he's got, I don't know, another two or three years left at sort of top 25 value. Um, Maybe next season he will still be like a first-round type player with Golden State being pushed out of the playoffs. Maybe they look to shake things up a little bit. Um, there's some interesting comments from the coach most recently about this team you know, maxing out in its potential. So I think Steph Curry will be Steph Curry, but it is something that could change dramatically. But at the moment, I still have him at sort of that back-end tier of those guys who are elite right now, but are on the older end and maybe coming towards the end of their prime and will start to decline. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, pretty soon. So he is there in the tier on his own, well, in this video tier on his own with those other older players. So at number 26, the next tier, we've got a few more players now. So tier seven, we've got uh, six players in here. At number 27, we've got Scotty Barnes, 28, De'Aaron Fox, 29, Josh Giddy. Number 30, we've got Mikael Bridges, 31, last year's number one pick, Paolo Banquero, and at 32, Zion Williamson sneaks in there. So a lot of younger players in this tier, um, some guys that probably haven't done it yet in terms of ranking this high. Um, Scotty Barnes to top off this list, a guy who I'm, I'm pretty keen on. Um, I probably would have had him ranked a little bit higher than this at the start of last season, but didn't take that step forward that we were potentially hoping that he did, um, that he would have this season. But I still think that as a young player with the tools that he has, um, he is someone who can definitely step it up. He was the 82nd ranked player in nine category leagues, but he does have his deficiencies in terms of the lack of threes. Um, the percentages are a little bit shaky. He's not, I don't think he's going to be like a high level scorer, but in terms of those 
rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Um, I think his field goal percentage will continue to improve as well. Um, he's not yet 22 years old. Um, he actually, yeah, so last, if I just look at his season ranks per game, he actually fell back in terms of ranking. So he was 66th in his rookie season. Um, regressed in rebounds, but improved in assists. Steals and blocks kind of remain the same. The field goal percentage decreased as well as he, um, I guess, yeah, I'm not sure exactly why that, that regressed, but it is a slight concern. So again, I've moved him down compared to where I sort of was valuing him as like a top 25, top 20 guy prior to last season, but I still think that he's going to, um, he'll bounce back and sort of be that guy and eventually become sort of a perennial top 30 guy moving forward. And at 22 years old, I think that's that's a pretty sure bet. A couple of guards here, Darren Fox and Josh Giddy. I had a couple of questions when I put out my top 25 rankings on Twitter, but comparing um, like a Jar Morant with a Darren Fox. And since that video and that list went up, obviously we've got the drama that is... Uh, um, uh, Jar Morant's obviously scandal with the um, firearms and things like that won't go into that too in detail, but that could present maybe a little bit more of a headache for dynasty managers in what I expect to be a pretty hefty suspension coming in for next year. But I think hopefully, you know, it's not going to continue to happen and he'll be available for, for dynasty managers and the Grizzlies for many years to come. But I think Darren Fox, rightfully so, is compared to a player like that. For long-time uh, listeners, people should know that I'm a big Darren Fox fan. Um, I was very high on him before, you know, two seasons ago, and um, he disappointed me. But this past season, he rewarded my faith in terms of putting up top 30 numbers um, on total values, top 45 numbers on per game. He will always be a slight negative in free throw percentage, in my opinion, but he has definitely improved that to a point where you don't have to punt that category. He does still, in my opinion, fit those builds very nicely, but he gives you those elite points, assists, uh, although I have taken a slight hit with Sabonis coming over, but still six plus a game. The field goal percentage for a point guard is incredible. Um, The steals dropped off a little bit to 1.2 compared to 1.5 a couple of seasons ago but that has room to come back up. Um, And I think just with the success that Sacramento had last season, they're going to remain... It's going to remain him and Sabonis' team, at least for the the short term to medium term. Um, So I think that Darren Fox is a guy that at 28, I think you can expect top 40 numbers pretty consistently over the next sort of four to five years. And if you're in a particular punt build, he could be viewed even higher than that. So... I do like him here, and in terms of rankings, he's not too far away from uh, Ja Morant, who, from memory, I had at 20, so, um, you know, one to two tiers back, just because I think that a Ja Morant is more solidified as, like, a, a perennial star guy that the team builds around, where Fox, there is a scenario I see in a couple of years that maybe he is a guy that they move away from and build around someone else, whereas I think Ja is locked in that for his prime. so And that's kind of just how I differentiate between those two things. Number 29 here, Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy is a guy that I am really, really high on. Um, now, it might be a bit of Australian bias, and his rankings haven't shown this type of um, bullishness yet. But we have to remember, Josh Giddy is 20 years old. He is basically the same age as some of the draftees coming into this season. So the Thompson Twins, uh, Brendan Miller, the exact same age as someone like a Josh Gideon. He's got two years of NBA experience. 
um, improved from 160th in his rookie season to 108th this past season. But it's the... It's the uniqueness of his stats. And I've talked about this with players like Ben Simmons in the past. And obviously, if we go by Ben Simmons last year, that hasn't really worked out with how terrible he's looked. But the fact that Giddy, I think, is probably a better prospect in terms of his ability to at least shoot the floor, uh, shoot the ball, um, I really like what they're doing in OKC. I think Giddy is a huge part of that. Um, the fact that he has done this playing next to a Shea Gillis-Alexander, I think is beneficial for his overall upside and versatility. Uh, but last year, put up averages 16 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Um, less than a steal and less than half a block per game is a little bit concerning. If you can get that 0.7 steals up to 1, 1.1, 1.2, that is going to dramatically change his value. And I think if he can get that 1.3 to 1.5 threes, I think he can do that very well. Um, the 16.6 points, if you can get that to 18, 19 points, I just think that the high rebounds, high assists, um, the very solid field goal percentage, which he did improve dramatically from year one, 42% to 48%. If that can get closer to even 50%, I think he can do that as a bigger guard with a lot of defenses focusing on Shea, on Chet. I think he can feast in that kind of a scenario. Chet maybe hurts his rebounds a little bit moving forward, but I still see him as a guy that could... At a ceiling, be a 26-6 and six guy with a steal, half a block, solid percentages. Um, and I just think that that's very, very valuable in fantasy basketball, especially when he is 20 years old. Um, I just really, really value those unique high rebound, high assist guards moving forward. He fits a lot of builds. And um, I'm a big fan of Josh Giddy, And so, yes, I haven't ranked him inside my top 30 at 29. Mikael Bridges is next at 30. I found it tough to rank Mikael Bridges. He obviously went crazy um, when he moved over to Brooklyn. So in the last two months, he was the uh, 50, uh, top 50 ranked player, 34th on the entire season. Uh, since moving to Brooklyn, he put up um, 26 points per night on still pretty decent efficiency, 43.4%. He had the steal. He had half a block. He had the high threes. I'm just not sold on him as a number one guy moving forward. So if I was locked in on that, I believe that that's what he would be. He probably would be probably a top 25 in that tier above. But he sits here right now. He could even be a guy that maybe even moves behind. He, he's a tough guy for me to evaluate. I don't see number one scoring potential. There is rumors that he may be even a guy that gets traded to like a Portland. Um, I, I've seen that a lot for the number three pick. Um, and I think if I was Brooklyn, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, but he is a guy that even before this, before being you know a guy that was a number one player, he was, he was valuable anyway on his high efficiency, his good defensive numbers. He's just sold across the board in terms of rebounds and threes, doesn't turn the ball over. So if you value that in nine category leagues, he is definitely someone to um, you know bump up your boards a little bit. But in terms of just the overall counting stats, it wasn't high enough for him to get further up the list for me. So 30 is as high as I could push him despite being you know, a young guy. I mean, he, he's young, but he, he's not super young. He's going to be 27 at the start of the next season. So he's in his prime right now. So I kind of think what you see is what you get at the moment. Um, the more I talk about it, the more I think I probably should move him down the list and maybe into the next tier. But 
and this is the thing about dynasty rankings and lists. You sort of you put together your list, and then you want to tweak around and, and shuffle some things around. The more you, the more you think about it. So, but at the moment, I've got him at thirty. He's super safe, very durable. He plays a lot of games, so that's another thing a tick in his box compared to especially the guy number thirty-two on this list. So thirty-one, just behind him, Paolo Boncaro. Um, I was a little bit skeptical about Paolo coming into his rookie season, but he's definitely won me over um, a a little bit here. But in saying that, he was still outside the top 200 in his rookie season. Now, rookie numbers, like we said with Josh Kitty, he was 160, moved up to top one, about that 100 ranking mark. I expect Paolo to improve. It's his efficiency. So 42.7% and 73.8% from the free throw line. That 42% will eventually be, I expect, at least 50% when he's in his prime as a bigger, stronger lead ball handling uh, wing slash power forward type. So I I do think that that will improve, and that will help his points. So his average 20 points in his rookie season is really good. So he's a guy that I see across his uh, prime, you know, averaging... 25, 8, and maybe 3 or 4 assists. Very Blake Griffin-esque numbers, like we sort of discussed about him in his pre-draft kind of comparisons. Um, but the fact that he he came out and did that high usage in 33 minutes a night in his rookie seasons is very, very valuable. I do still worry about the lack of steals, blocks, threes, uh, the free throw percentage. So he he fits that punt free throw percentage ideally now. There is optimism that he can improve that, and I do think that he can. Uh, 1.2 threes in his rookie season is is poor, but it's, it's encouraging because I actually thought he might be doing less than that in his rookie season, so it's probably better than my expectations. So um, I do think that he is a guy that uh, does have... Good upside, but I don't see like first round potential as a number one pick. I see a guy that at his ceiling could be a top 25 guy, but I don't see top 15, top 12 in Palo like I do with like a Chet, for example, from his draft class, just because he lacks those defensive numbers to truly be elite. I do still probably compare him to someone like a Blake Griffin and how we were using and valuing him across his prime. So... That's kind of how I view Palo. And at 32, just before the podcast, I, I just snuck in Zion to this list. He was in the tier below, but the ceiling just gets there me. It gets me there for him. Just I am very concerned about his availability and his durability. So I can totally understand if you choose to avoid him at this point. Um, but he does, unlike I think Apollo and a Mikhail Bridges and probably a Gideon, uh, probably of all these guys, he has the highest ceiling. Let's. Let's be real there. He is a guy that um, is just a monster. He's probably the best player and highest upside from an NBA point of view of these guys. But the fact that two things, he's been injury prone to start his season with a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, and his fantasy value comes so heavily from just a few categories, namely that field goal percentage. And I've talked about this before in my re-rankings videos and things like that. It's all good and well to rank well because you've dominated field goal percentage, but you can only win field goal percentage by, you know, if you win it by 0.5% or you win it by 15%, it's still just one category as a win in the end. Now, he can cover up a lot of sins if you're trying to make up field goal percentage, but you compare that to an equally awful free throw percentage contribution uh, when he gets to the line so many times at a very poor rate, which in fairness, has improved over the last few seasons. So he's gone from 64 to 69% to 71%. It's incremental progress, but it's still a huge negative. I think that 
The other big thing for him is the steals and block numbers. We started to, again, it's improving slightly year to year, 0.7, 0.9, 1.1. And we did see in college he was a monster steal and block guy. I don't know if that kind of huge volume is going to be there moving forward, but there is a world where he puts it all together and he's a top 12 guy. But I am scared about his availability. I'm scared that we're not going to see those stock numbers transfer over from college. So for me, he slots in right here if you're willing to take a risk and you've got a pretty healthy team thus far. Um, But he's a guy that I wouldn't want to be bringing in or trading for if I already have a few question marks on my team. Say you've already got like a a Chet Holmgren or or some of these maybe potentially older guys that are a bit more injury prone. I don't know if you want to throw Zion in the mix there, but he he makes this tier based on upside alone. But I do get... I do get the cautiousness around him. All right, let's move on to our next tier. And this um, this tier is a big one as we move on into the next one because there's a lot of players here. Bang, look at the look at that tier on YouTube if you're watching along. There's a, there's a lot of players here. So let's go through. And this is where I, I have a tough time breaking these guys up into different groups. So it's kind of a picky poison at this point, I think, in the draft. So number 33, the rookie, Jalen Williams. 34, our guy, Alperen Shangoon. 35, DeJounte Murray. 36, Jalen Brown. 37, Lowry Markin. And 38, Desmond Bain. 39, Miles Turner. 40, Kristaps Porzingis. 41, Pascal Siakam. 42, Jamal Murray. And 43, James Harden. So... Like we said, lots of guys on this list. We'll go through them. A couple of these young guys at the start. Jalen Williams, he just absolutely dominated after the All-Star break this past season. Um, He actually, I think, ranked higher than this ranking just in the second half of the year alone. But so the last two months of the season, he ranked 43rd. So, yeah, okay, close to this kind of a ranking. But it's just tough for me to project that moving forward, especially when it's on the back of 1.8 steals in the last two months. That number is hard for me to go, yep, he's going to be a 1.8 steal guy for his career. I expect he's probably a 1.5 steal guy, but again, that's going to affect his his um, overall ranking. Um, he did it on 50 plus percent shooting and 91% from the free throw line. So already he's very elite in those percentage categories. And that's often one of the things when it comes to young players that you expect to increase but when you're already like that and you're not like a big center kind of a type player how much more does that improve does that go to like a 55 percent across his prime i don't know if i can confidently project that um you know chet holmgren's going to come into this team another lottery pick's going to come into this team and i know that yes he he has done enough to be the number you know a starting player on there but when you look across their team, you've got Shea, you've got Giddy, and you've got Chet. I think they're all probably ahead of him in terms of the team's priorities. I think he is that fourth guy. He's probably going to start, in my opinion, ahead of like a Lou Dort um, in their sort of immediate future. And I do think that he could potentially, he has the upside of being a top 20 guy, even if he's not going to be a 20, 25 points per night scorer, just on the back of solid rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, great efficiency, kind of like that Sean Marion type, um, you know, Gordon Hayward kind of type player, maybe with a little bit less scoring, plus the steals. So his fantasy game is extremely friendly, low turnovers, um, just almost, I guess, uh, a Mikael Bridges, but maybe with a little bit more upside, but less certainty. So 
he is also a little bit older as a rookie, so 22 years old. We compare him to a Josh Giddy. He's two years older than a Giddy, despite coming into the league a year later. Um, so this is about where I have him. Not quite in the tier above him, but he does have a lot of upside, and I could see people getting carried away and drafting him higher than this, but I am still pretty high on him. I have him inside my top 35, and uh, I think he's going to be really good uh, as soon as next year. So that's what you do want to see. Number 34, Alperen Shangun. Again, talk about upside. This guy has it. He has the potential to be a first-round pick if it all comes together, but there are concerns. There are concerns about his shooting. There are concerns about his um, defense in terms of as a rim protector. Uh, rim protector. Um, but if... I, if someone told me that the Rockets were just going to build around Shangun and he was going to be their cornerstone and their, their centerpiece, then he would be higher on this list. He's younger than 21. He's not yet 21 years old. Um, was the 79th ranked player last season in 29 minutes. The troubling thing is when the minutes increased down the stretch of the season, his ranking didn't get all that much better and his stats didn't improve all that much. That's on the back of the poor free throw percentage shooting, which took a dive down to 63% um, after the All-Star break on um, you know nearly four attempts per game. So that's a big negative for him. He also doesn't shoot the ball well, 0.43s per game and high turnovers. I think he'll tidy that up. And I do think that he, more than likely, if he stays the starting center and gets the decent usage that he needs, uh, he, he can be an easy top 40 player with the upside for more. There is still a little bit of that question mark in terms of how much do the Rockets believe in him? How does he fit in an NBA where the Victor uh, Weminyamas, the Chet Holmgrens, the Evan Mobleys, the Joel Embiid's are out there where they're those classic defensive cornerstone, shot-blocking, rim-protecting guys that can space the floor. He kind of does neither of those things. He... It's tough because you ha- you see him and people compare him to Nikola Jokic, and I can see that, but Jokic is a better shooter. Jokic is bigger than him as well. So I don't see that level of ceiling, although I see him potentially being like a, a mini version of Jokic, but it's just the scary part about Shengun is, is that ceiling and does the coach see that and do they prioritize that enough to elevate him to that usage that he would kind of need, be the... I guess, primary or secondary playmaker on a team. Um, I still have some doubts. So that's where he lands here for me at 34. Uh, Again, one of the more trickier ones for me to rank, despite how much I do like him. 35, DeJounte Murray. I think he's just going to kind of be doing this kind of thing. I do like him, especially in a few different builds. Uh, For example, like a punt threes or a punt blocks build. Um, As a guy who can get you elite rebounds, steals, and assists. So, especially, yeah, similar to like a Giddy type with the steals there, but maybe with a shorter window at 20, he'd be close to 27, start the next season. So, um, I do really like DeJounte Murray at this kind of spot with without a huge amount of upside from here, but just very consistent. Jalen Brown is an interesting one because he's not typically a um, fantasy darling, but... With a few rumors about his future in Boston as a fan, I hope we re-sign him just from... A more a loyalty point of view, I think. I just think he deserves to be a Boston Celtic for life. He was a fifty. He was the fifty eighth ranked player. He's never really cracked higher than basically a top forty, top forty five guy. So it's kind of at his ceiling. But I think he's just the level of NBA player that you're just going to be drafting him with confidence that you're going to get what you draft for without much risk of it 
fall or the floor falling away from you. Whereas, you know, a Shangun, a Jalen Williams, and some of these other guys behind him, there is probably a, a lower floor, and you can see it falling out quicker than someone like a Jalen Brown. I think he's going to keep doing this for the next five or six years. So uh, you're sort of drafting him here at you know, with a bit of certainty moving forward. Larry Markin was the huge breakout from last season, was the most improved player of the year. In fantasies, he was a guy that we were targeting as a breakout, but did not expect top 20 numbers. I do think that that may be a little bit of fool's gold. I don't view him as a top 20 guy moving forward. Um, he's 26 years old, and I think Utah will continue to get better and add more pieces Maybe not next year, but probably two to three years from now. They have a lot of draft picks and guys are going to be adding in. So I'm always wary of teams like that. Larry did have a great season, but is he the centerpiece that if something better comes along, you don't draft or trade in because you've got Larry Markkinen? I don't necessarily think he's of that level, but he's going to provide great points, good rebounds. The efficiency was much better from years past and the elite threes. He still doesn't give you assists, steals, or blocks. So there's a decent concern, um, but that's obviously not what you're drafting him for. But again, kind of, um, yeah, I think whilst he he actually did better than 37 last year, I just have question marks about, you know, is that sustainable? I think not quite, but he is still going to be probably a top 40 player for at least the next sort of three to four years. Next guy here, Desmond Bain. I, I guess kind of a similar story to a Larry Markkinen, just a guy who is very consistent, but I don't see... A huge much more upside from here. 42nd ranked player um, last year, 36th the year before, doing similar things with a little bit more scoring. But again, I don't know if you're going to see any more things pop from him. So he kind of just fits in nicely here. Miles Turner is next at 39. Again, he's ranking better than this, but it's on the back of one super elite category, and that is blocks. So you'll see a lot of these rankings I... I ding players a little bit down if they're relying on one or two really, really big categories um, because when you're evaluating and valuing across a league, like a dynasty league, that might not hold the same weight for a lot of different teams. Um, So yeah, he was the 22nd ranked player this past season. He's been top 25 the last three years. So you you could argue he'd be higher than this, but like we said, it's all on the back of elite blocks. Um, I do like the fact that he's a good free throw shooter. He can hit some threes as a center eligible player. But outside of the elite blocks, there's not a whole lot else that is truly great. It's all just a bunch of okay at that point. So he is there. Christoph Pozingas would actually be higher than him if it wasn't for the injury concerns that we've seen in previous seasons. He did manage 65 games this past year. I don't know if we can bank on that moving forward, and he was a top 15 player. So again, super high upside, but it's the body. It's also his value across the NBA. We've already seen him traded across a few different teams, so his role is not as secure as someone like a Jalen Brown or, or someone potentially like a Desmond Bain, for example. So he gets dinged a little bit for that, despite his ranking suggesting he's higher. Pascal Siakam. Um, the Toronto Raptors are a very interesting kind of situation here. What are they going to be doing in their offseason if they're going to lose Fred Van Vliet? Could that positively affect a Pascal Siakam? He's 29 years old. So on this list, he's actually probably one of the older players on this list. But I still think he's got a good three to four years of his prime left. He, he's he been doing well these past three seasons as a guy who's sometimes, on the, depending on the season, a center-eligible guy who can give you five-plus assists, which is super valuable. The points and rebounds are really great. 
He's efficient enough. Um, just good across the board. I do think he's a really good player, but I don't know if he has that upside to do much more than this. But the again, kind of like the uniqueness of his stats and his position boost him a little bit higher for my uh, opinion. I think he's a, a relatively safe guy, similar to that of a, uh, a Jalen Brown, in my opinion. And then Jamal Murray here, again, just a guy that I think is often criminally underrated. Um, just a really solid point guard. He is only 26 years old, so I think he's probably got another five, six years left in his prime. Uh, put up top 40 numbers here, so you could even argue he could be higher on this list, especially if you are looking for a guard. Um, great points, great threes, decent assists. The steals have been over one steal per game for a few seasons. The efficiency is there. So I really do like Jamal Murray, and I think he's you know, fully over his injury that he had last season. So I could argue that he might be ahead of a few of these guys like a Desmond Bain. Um, but those boys are just a little bit younger and push him ahead. And then at the end of this tier, I've got James Harden. I flirted with having him higher, but there is a bit of uncertainty with where he's playing next year. He's obviously the oldest player on this list at 33 years old, turning 34 for next season. He's had injury concerns. He's had soft soft tissue injury concerns in particular, but he is still an elite fantasy player, top 17 this past season was a first-round guy just two years ago. But I do worry that, again, potentially with the change in scenery, it could be good, but it could also be bad. Moving to a younger team, it's it's hard for me to project what he does without knowing the team he's in. And because he is 34 years old going to next year, you probably only have maybe three seasons, I would guess, at an elite level. We've seen the playoffs, him go missing at times, so... I don't know if I can project him at producing this kind of stuff. I'm more confident with players like a Lillard, with a Steph Curry, who I had in the, a couple of tiers ahead at that similar kind of age. Whereas a James Harden, just from an NBA point of view, I don't value him quite as highly as those guys. And that's where, despite him being a great fantasy contributor with his assists and free throw percentage being huge elite positives, um, if you're not being used in that kind of dominant ball handling role in an actual NBA team, I can't be confident enough that we're going to continue to see that for the next few seasons. So he comes to me at the end of this tier. Again, probably more for those win now teams. All right, let's catch my breath. And we'll move on to the last tier here for the top 50. And um, remember, again, we're going through tiers. So there's actually more to this tier going into the next podcast where we're going to do 50 to 75, but I have cut it off here at the 50 to keep a little intrigue for the next one here. But at tier 9, rank 44, I have Brandon Ingram, 45, Tyrese Maxey, 46, Devin Vassell, a couple of bigs here, 47, Jarrett Allen, 48, Nick Claxton, 49, Walker Kessler. And at number 50, I have Franz Wagner from Orlando. So again, going through these guys, um, Brandon Ingram, Kind of like just a worse version of a Jalen Brown, in my opinion, in terms of the fact that he's not super high upside when it comes to fantasy. He gives you the points, rebounds, assists, decent amount of threes, but he doesn't have those steals, block numbers to make him truly elite in fantasy. But I expect that he's going to just continue doing what he's doing for the next five or six years, which was top 60 numbers last year. He's gone as high as top 50 in the previous three to four years, which... You know, you're going to get seasons up and down there, but in terms of a safe contributor to an NBA team, I think he's going to be there. Tyrese Maxey is a very interesting one. Um, 
you could potentially see him join the next tier if Harden does leave. And I'm kind of projecting that he will with this kind of a ranking, but without it being locked in. Um, so he is very interesting. In the past two months, he was a top 30 guy. Now, I was down on him to start last year because of the Harden factor, and I was right to be down on him because people were drafting him around that 50 market redraft leagues. He didn't return that, but we did see some good stretches down the end of the year. I think he's going to be an elite scorer, uh, good threes. He's not a huge assist guy, but his efficiency is where he gets it done as a guard. Um, Kind of with the upside of that Jamal Murray type ceiling, maybe a little bit better with him only being 22 years old. Um, But yeah, a little bit of uncertainty with what's going on with James Harden and... I don't know if he's going to be the number one scorer on a good team. He's probably that number two guy, but um, I do really like him as a scorer. Just would love to see those assist numbers start to come back up and see if he can get four plus a game, four and a half assists per game. We haven't quite seen that yet. He did 4.3 last year. Um, So if he can do that and keep his scoring at 21, 22 points per game with good efficiency, well, there's, there's a top 30, top 35 guy. So again... Depending on that James Harden situation, you could see him actually go up this list. Um, so stay tuned for that. 46, I've got Devin Vassell. I'm a big believer in Devin Vassell. Um, I know he didn't quite rank as well as I thought he would last season, but uh, the injury obviously um, derailed his season a little bit. And I think that with Victor Wembanyama coming over to the Spurs, he is going to be in a perfect situation to be that number two scorer. Next to Victor, um, as it stands right now, he's going to be potentially the second ball handler, playmaker on this team. And I just think he's in a perfect position to just put up really solid numbers across the board, good points, threes, solid enough rebounds, um, decent assists and steals with maybe a few blocks in there as well. I think his efficiency will improve. His free throw percentage was strangely down this season at 78%. I expect that to jump back up to plus 80 um, and with Victor being there, you know, uh, with all the defenses focusing on him, I think his field goal percentage can also rise to that high 40s in uh, field goal, which will positively affect his scoring. So I think he'll eventually get to be a 20-plus points per game scorer on three-plus threes, potentially three-and-a-half to four-and-a-half assists, one to one-and-a-half steals, probably 0.5 to 0.8 blocks, just solid across-the-board numbers, um, you know, almost that Mikhail Bridges-type player moving forward, Um, and obviously he's very young at 22 years old, so I do really like Devin Vassell. And then these big guys, Jarrett Allen, Nick Nick Claxton, and Walker Kessler. Now, Jarrett Allen is probably the guy, maybe the most boring of this list, but I still think he's a really solid guy. He was top 40 last season. I probably, of him, think that, at least right now, he's the best player on this list. It could change pretty quickly with these centers, so... I have them all kind of grouped together. It's kind of a pick your poison. Some people might say that Walker Kessler should be ranked a little bit higher because of the fact that, you know, down the stretch, I think we saw him rank better than this as I just check him on the um, averages here. But I just have that little question in the back of my mind about him being a like 30 plus minute per night guy. And I know we don't need centers to do that, but I just don't know if, Similar to what I said before about, you know, those big one-category contributors, 
Um, obviously, he's like a three-category contributor in rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage, but he doesn't do anything else. He's never going to be a big points guy. He's never going to shoot threes. He's never going to get you assists or steals. They're very, very low. So it's very team-dependent in terms of if you need what he gives you. Um, you know, Down the stretch, he was a top 30 guy in 26 per, minutes per night. Um, as a rookie, he's slightly older. He's going to be 22 next season. He will improve. So there's an argument you could boost him up higher. I'm just not completely sold yet in terms of him being the guy there in Utah. You know, there's potential for them to play small, um, depending on who they draft and things like that. So there's just a few moving pieces that doesn't make me confident enough to get him much higher than this when you've got players like Tyrese Maxey, Devin Vassell uh, in these kind of a list, which I have more um, confidence in their availability and being in a starting lineup no matter what team they're on. Whereas I think Walker Kessler starts for this Utah team, but who's to say in a couple of years, two to three years, that he finds himself as a backup on a better team or, you know, they draft a... Maybe there's... I haven't looked at the next draft classes, but there's an all-time center and they they get that guy and it pushes Walker Kessler to a bench kind of role. I think he'll be really good next year. I probably actually would, ironically enough, draft him higher than this in a redraft league, just projecting through... Um, but in a dynasty league, just my confidence in him being an eight-year starting center, I'm not quite there yet. Um, so that's why I've got him there. Similar kind of thoughts with Nick Claxton. Um, but I do obviously really like him, especially in those punt free throw builds. I actually think he's probably a better player in general than a Walker Kessler, which is why I've got him just a little bit ahead. Um, and we, we've seen a top 25 season from him. Again, big boost in your blocks, field goal percentage. So same kind of that I've got for both of those guys. And Franz Wagner rounds out that top 50. Um, again, another player that I kind of had trouble projecting a little bit. I don't... He's kind of that boring nine category, just good across the board type of player, almost like a Tobias Harris sort of type, um, which I go. maybe it's just my tendency, my bias. I like to go with guys, especially if I'm building a head-to-head team with a bit more strength in certain areas. But again, in terms of a dynasty currency, he is just really solid across the board. He is a guy that is only 21, not yet 22 years old, um, and is probably the number two guy behind Apollo on that uh, Orlando team. I just don't really... It's probably going to be just everything improving a little bit rather than one particular area getting a whole lot better. Um, you know, 18 points, 1.63s, four rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal. Uh, 0.2 blocks is probably his biggest weakness here. But again, if that just all improves a little bit, he's ranked 102 for the last season. So if that all just improves a little bit, you could see a guy who's, I don't know if he's ever really a top 40 player in fantasy, but maybe he's a very consistent 45 to 60 type of guy which at 22 years old, if you're going to get 10 years of that, it's probably a decent investment at this point. Some people would argue that he has higher upside than that. I don't know if I see it, but again, when you're talking about just consistent, solid production, uh, I don't think there's much more of a flaw that's just going to fall out from underneath you with a player like this and what we've seen so far in his career. But again, he's at the back of this tier because I don't quite see the tier, the, the ceiling that a lot of these other guys do in front of him. So 
That will do it in terms of our top 50 so far. Let us know, let me know down in the comments section below if you disagree, Aish. I'm sure this is where a lot of the divergence in uh, opinions will start to appear. The top 25, I guess, is a bit more consensus, whereas now we're going to start to differentiate. A lot of those older guys who are playing and winning now haven't yet appeared in this list, so we will touch on them, guys, probably in the next video with the 50 to 75, but let me know down in the comments below if you um, have any difference in opinion. If you have any questions when it comes to Dynasty Basketball, we'll be doing our uh, part two of our mock draft later this week, so stay tuned for that. And uh, until next time, guys, we will catch you guys later. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.